0: Hello and welcome to Inside the Artist Shanty. Welcome to the program that interviews artists of all mediums and standings. From writers to actors, painters to musicians, we explore their craft, passion, struggles, successes, and what keeps them going and doing what they love. My name is Colin Frizzell and I'll be your host this week, Inside the Artist Shanty. Welcome back to The Artist Shanty. This week, The Shanty is Starbucks in Bloor West Village. And this week, I'm here with Devore Mimusic. How'd I do? It's
1: good, it's good, yeah.
0: Devore is an aspiring filmmaker who graduated from a computer animation program from the College of Art in Toronto. His short film, Framed, made its world premiere at Tribeca Film Festival in New York City. And his documentary, If I Were Somebody, made its world premiere in Bosnia. Devor himself is from Bosnia. He came to Canada as a refugee during the Civil War there. He was 13 at the time. Welcome to the shanty. Well,
1: thank you. Thank you for the invite.
0: Well, thank you for making the time. Yeah. So you graduated from computer animation.
1: Correct. Um, that was uh, in the year of 1999 when the films... Well, first of all, let me, let me tell you how this actually has happened, how the, the passion for it. I was five years old, and then at one, wo- one point I got up and I couldn't walk. I just fell to the floor. And I just scroll over to the to the room where the telephone was, and I call my dad and I said, "I can't feel my legs." He came to me and then he picked me up. Mom came, we went to the doctor and the doctor said, "Well it might be uh, he might we might have to cut off the leg or maybe something's wrong. I don't know yet, but most likely he'll never be able to walk or run properly anymore so then I can see them crying as they were hearing this news, but they didn't want to believe that was that was it, only one opinion would matter. So what we did is we went to an army doctor, somebody's uh, family friend referred this army doctor, and then he said, oh, uh, it's a specific virus that attacks the ear, attack the bone on my hip. So it's nothing really dangerous for being handicapped or you know losing legs or not being able to play sports. However, I will have to rest for the next six months. So this is the time when... We just received a VCR in our home, and the new video store opened down the street. And this, um, this uh, young man, who was maybe 17, 18 at the time, who was running the video store, he knew that I was not well, because he saw my dad would carry me in every time. And he would be like, hey, uh, I have a really, really good film for you. You need to give this a try. Oh, I have a. So he basically introduced me to Jackie Chan Classic Films. When Jackie Chan was really, really young, yeah, that's and that's how I started watching films by myself, because my mom and dad were at work, my sister is in school, so I had to basically just take care of myself. So every couple of days, this man with this young, young man would leave a couple of films aside for me to see. And then one of the films that I ended up seeing was Tron. And then I was like, oh, my God, this is just like... It's like you're in a video game, especially when you're a child and you're looking at these images. Yeah. You're, you're just like something is totally, totally out of the world. After that, what followed was like uh, films like The Last Starfighter and, and, you know, like it was like more puppets, more of those things. But I, that kind of started this love for storytelling, for like art, in a way, like as films that, as they are. And then right before the war starts... Terminator 2 comes out, and this is the time when they have the special effects like they never had before in the films, where you can see the guy is a melting metal, liquid metal. You would see um, the reflections when he like, basically creates a sword. You would see the reflections in the hands and stuff like that. Or the, the stuff that normally was taking people frame by frame to do like, uh, animation-wise, it was done on a computer. And uh, Industrial, Industrial Light Magic was doing special effects for the, at the time, and I was like, "Wow, this movie is so realistic, but it's it's not as it's so advanced. It's way beyond like anything that we have seen before." So up to today, I think I consider Terminator to one of my favorite films just because of that. And then what followed next was slowly as as the animation started progressing, um, you know, Toy Story comes out. And at that time, being a computer animation Now, were bro- you
0: still in Bozzi at this point? Uh, no,
1: this is the time when we arrived. But, okay. you know, like, uh, I'll go to that in a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, but continue. Like, I just it's wanted just like, to
0: keep the timeline, yeah.
1: Yeah, so it's like, at this time, when we were in Canada, I was a sudden, like, Toy Story would come out, and then I'm reading about it, how it takes them four to six days to render one frame. And, you know, you need 24 frames for one second. And just the idea that like one film was being rendered for like maybe a year, year and a half, just creating these images, was just like beyond my belief. So of course I wanted to And I was like, Oh my god, I can make my dreams come true with this. Like this would be amazing. So this is like I really, really wanted to push to study computer animation. I never had desire to come to Toronto. For me the city was a little bit scary because it's much, much bigger than Windsor where we came to Canada first. But, you know, my mom was always like why don't you study computer programming you can stay here don't worry about it it's all good but um yeah so eventually i don't know i ended up persuading my parents to take me here and then um i started studying computer animation And how old were you then uh well okay so the war starts in 1992 no i mean how old
0: were you when you came to toronto
1: i was 17 17 yeah and then i was 17 going to the college oh wow that's pretty young so when war started in 92 I was 9 turning 10 and then uh, we ended up um, after a month of being in in Sarajevo in the capital uh, we had to leave because it was getting more and more dangerous and then we all thought it's going to be done in a day or two because we saw how the enemy would take over the north and the east of the country within a couple of days they would just declare their own and it was that was it no more fighting but Varys was different because we were in a valley of four mountains and when the enemy took out the, the mountain range it was the day before we left we were the last train that left the city so United Nations said okay, one train will leave tomorrow and around 15-20,000 people ended up coming to the train station and then they were all like nope, women and children only anybody over 12 as a male has to stay because you're old enough to fight now So we had like one of those like a hand separation moments with our dad as we basically got put into the train that was um, in a little cabin that can fit six people was probably around 40, 50 women and children um, going to, to the next unknown. So all we knew was that this train is leaving the city, and that's that's all we knew. That's we had no other information. So
0: how is your dad? Where's your dad now? My dad
1: had to stay there. Well, he stayed there for three years. He's in Windsor with my mom now. Okay. Well. That's but yeah, he stayed there for three years. But the second we left, um, the only last connecting border of Bosnia with the outside world was the bridge in Croatia, and as we were basically crossing that bridge, we were hurried by the customs. Nobody was really checking anybody's papers. We were just like, let's go, let's go, let's go. The second we crossed the bridge with the train, they blew up the bridge. So that was the last outside connection with the the Bosnia, Other than the north and the east, that was still accessible, but that's where the enemy was coming from. I think it's
0: hard for a lot of people, for myself included, in Canada to really... Understand going from watching animation videos and Toy Story. I mean, yeah, all like Chen yeah. To yeah. running to the train and having to say goodbye to your dad.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it, and it literally happened within.
0: And you lose everything. Within days, and that's yeah. when
1: one we realized the the value of of money, how yeah. much it means nothing. The value of things, uh, like anything that's uh, like materialistic, yeah. became. Invaluable,
0: And it's not a matter of you deciding to move and packing up your stuff and shipping stuff over. Yeah. It's basically, we've just got to go.
1: Yeah, and um, I mean, the similar things was happening in Croatia because war was in Slovenia, then it started in Croatia, then it went to Bosnia, then, it went, to Bosnia, then it went to Kosovo. But when we were looking at images of refugees from Croatia as they were leaving with their bags of just socks and underwear, we were like, oh, yeah, that's horrible. And click, click, you're away, and now you're watching a um, soccer match or something on yeah. TV. But then six months later, this is happening to you. And then what we did is we ended up going to the Germany first, because that's where my mom has two sisters. But then um, being there for three months, it was a little bit difficult for my mom to, to be so, much, so far away from the country and not knowing if, if that is good or not, not good. Every night we were listening to the radio Sarajevo on AM station, where they announced... These are the people that died today. These are the people that died today. And then eventually they stopped announcing the dead people and they just said, all right, tonight the garbage truck will come at this corner, this corner, just bring out your dead, we'll just dump them in. Because people were just dying more and more. And, and as we left the train, the train that has left, the last train that has left, the next day the, the train station, which was also the local bus terminal and streetcars, got leveled to the ground. So th- everybody in the city who stayed was forced to walk everywhere. Then they destroyed all the ele- electrical towers. All the water supply was gone. So now you're basically just—it was a psychological um, siege of the city.
0: And I—I I don't. Well, it, it like the the imagery, like, the, it's like you' of a garbage truck going by and you're bringing yeah. Like it's in listening to see if your dad's still alive. It's just in and also I think getting around the fact that you were just having a normal life. Just like watching films and such and then and as you said, listening to this happening to others and then all of a sudden Yeah. That's you.
1: It was the sad reality that, that came in and then um being in Germany, we were invited to go to the school, to the local schools, but my mom, she felt very uneasy with being so far away. Um, and she just says, if the war ends, we just gotta, we just wanna go see our dad, so let's be as close as we can. So we ended up going to Croatia. She had a, a friend that she went to the school with, uh, to the university with in Croatia, and then we ended up coming to her, who lives with her four children and a husband. And this is now six months since we have left the city. It's been six months since we haven't heard from our dad. Yeah. And it's the first time we actually heard his voice. And now at this moment, I'm 10 years old, and he tells me, you need to drop your toys and now take care of mom and sister from now on. So at 10. At 10. Ask to grow up, basically, yeah. and to, to do that. Um, and then what happened next was like we, we moved from this little town to the capital of Croatia um, just because in the capital we had a little more opportunities Um, there was um, United Nations had uh, like a Red Cross United Nations and there was another agency in that city so we were able to send our dad letters or maybe a package of food or something but then he would get letters and by the time he writes them back to us it would pass four or five months so he would be answering the letters to us that were I don't know like like something that we asked like a long time ago kind of thing yeah. um, so eventually what what happened was um, my mom joined forces with uh, United Nations like women from United Nations okay they had some kind of organization which also was dealing with refugees in Bosnia and then my mom started volunteering for this um, shelter for the women like Bosnian women shelter but they were what we call super moms because there were, there was maybe three or four people in charge of 50, 40, 40 kids, oh, wow. who were um, basically all saw their parents raped and murdered in front of their eyes from the war. So they were kind of like they're, like, just supervising them. But it's kind of like these kids were really, really, really in a tough situation right now. So them, she was volunteering there, and then. You know, every once in a while, like we would get a call from the United Nations, like okay, now you can come collect your food. So then we would go, and they would give us like one liter of oil, one kilogram of of sugar, maybe ten kilograms of flour, and be like, okay, come back in six months, kind of thing. So it was like always that was that was like a a normal way of life. While in the meantime, we were always trying to contact dad, but most of the time we can't. So what they were doing in the war, they created um, the radio. Um, frequencies was used to basically contact telephones so you would have to schedule let's talk one month from now at one o'clock and then he would schedule with this person and then one month from now we would actually talk so we don't even know if he would be okay or not in that next month so every time when my mom would meet these women from United Nations they they would give a chocolate bar to me and my sister one chocolate bar and then you know like my sister would like eat her like right away her half like in an instant but I would save my half for maybe like a month or two I would just like take like a little piece at a time because I don't know when is the next time I'm going to eat chocolate because even like even though we were like refugees in Croatia we were still um we had no money so my aunt was giving us money every month from the Germany but it was basically like living with $50 a month and you have growing kids um we would eat like bread and and butter, like margarine, Monday to Friday and then hopefully Saturdays we get like salami if you're lucky, you know what I mean? So it was a little bit little bit difficult in those situations. So when you get a chocolate bar, this was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. So one day my mom comes and she says, Tomorrow I'm gonna have a surprise for you. And we were like, Yes, chocolate. And then my sister and I we, we come home from school and we see this... My mom is sitting in in a, in a room, but she's holding this old man's hand. And we're like, okay, like, what what's going on? And then when this old man spoke our names, we realized this is our dad, who basically, within two and a half years, aged 50 years. He had full white hair from the fear. He lost 45 kilograms. So he was like skin and bone. He was, he was around 95 kilograms, kind of like me right now. Yeah. But he was skin and bone when we saw him with the full white hair totally like crunched up and, and then that night we were like okay um, you're, not, you're not leaving he's like no I have to go back we're like no 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 don't go back don't go back and then we ended up um, basically telling him that you know we're going to be very mad at him if he goes back and, but you know none of this really worked but in the meantime he told my mom to apply to any country that wants to accept Bosnian refugee so we applied to 17 countries, one of them is Canada. We applied to Czech, to Slovakia, to Poland, to Germany, anybody. Yeah. So one night, maybe two, three days later, one night he ended up disappearing. He just, we don't know where he is, he just left. Then we find out that he went back to Bosnia because he, um, he left on a special permission papers that he needs some kind of a surgery. And then he knew that if he doesn't go back, he will be classified as deserter so he can go to jail next time in the future. If he was. But his whole family is there, his mother, father, his two, like two siblings. So, but he never told us that. So now next thing you know, for the next six months, all the communications were cut off. Not even the radio communications. We could not get a hold of him at all. We had no idea if he's alive or not. We find out that the train that he was on got attacked... This was afterwards when we finally hear from him. The train he was on got attacked, and everybody got killed on the train. Again, we are like thinking the worst. Then we find out that he walked 150 kilometers on foot to go to his parents' house, basically hiding between the enemies and drinking water from the socks just to survive in the forests, in the in the minefields, in in just just in, in order to survive. And then finally, he comes to his mom's house, and his mom said, like basically like if you had a chance to leave, leave again, because this is not ending soon, the war. Um, And then at that time, we get a call from Canadian Embassy to say, hey, we want you to come for an interview. And my mom says, well, it's three of us. I know we apply for four. We have no way of contacting our our father, our dad. And they said, well, only people who come to the interview will be able to go to Canada. We cannot just give access to somebody who we don't screen," which makes sense. And then um, Pope John Paul II was coming to Zagreb to Croatia to the capital, and this he was coming on Monday morning when it was our when it was our like process and then they called us and they said, "You know because he's coming in, the city will be under military law for the next three days. we want to schedule you for Thursday morning first thing in the morning, Thursday. all right that's fine. My dad showed up Wednesday night without even knowing that we had a something wow and when he came in yeah. he brought in the guitar that he bought for me for my ninth birthday right before war he brought a little figurine that he bought for my mom on, their, on the date and he brought a one clock that um, they got for the wedding and a re- for the wedding gift so he brought those three things with him the other things he ended up saving but that's basically most of the like that's we have Yeah, we have no pictures of our childhood yeah. because he basically burned the pictures to keep to keep warm. He burned the furniture to keep warm. You know, like he he was he found a way to survive. He was a person who never knew how to cook. He learned how to cook during the war because he said, I learned how to cook. I made a soup out of the grass. You know, like stuff like that. So it's a little bit hard for us to understand what he went through. But well, now it's hard for Yeah. It's
0: hard for me to understand what you went through too. Not Yeah
1: and like, this is just like I'm just like giving yeah, you a like little
0: but it's still the emotional drain you don't know if your dad's alive or dead yeah. and hearing like and they I, I feel like oh, um, I like just with the refugee crisis now and, and with some of the things online you see in the back and forth and all the people just completely don't understand like no, and you had a normal life and it's it yeah. just Torn apart, and this isn't—it's not the same as saying, "Okay, let's move to Canada and packing up and going yeah. through all the things." You—it's life or death.
1: Yeah, and and it is life or death, and you know, it's like one of the things that—that's the, the what kind of pushed me forward to write the screenplay, the new screenplay that yeah. I'm just working on, yeah. and and it's the idea of like first of all one. A lot of people are educated who yeah. end up leaving the country. well Let you
0: say a little bit about the screenplay first. For, okay, you know, the right, right. right.
1: Um, so the screenplay follows a uh, the name first. Uh, the screenplay name is Refuge. Refuge, okay. Yes. There we go. Refuge. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it is it is following. Sorry, I, I'm kind no, of okay. going ahead. Yeah, that's of okay. Yeah. It is. I just finished writing it a couple of days ago, and um, um, so it is following um, a dentist. In Syria, who is having a normal life, you know, like everybody else, and then next, you know, some, you know, like it's getting worse and worse. The situation is getting worse and worse. And those people who are close to her, who will be like, "I can help you out," I can help you out. Turn out that they have different agendas. And then the struggles of just leaving the country and and promising yourself to somebody else, like in a ways of like the, your safety, you know, like being um, just in a strange yeah you're, yeah, you're looking those images of people being on those boats that a boat that can fit 30 people they have 700 people on it um, constantly being capsized and constantly sinking across around the coasts of Greece and Turkey and 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 it's heartwarming you know seeing those children being um, washed off on the shore and stuff like that and and all these people just wanted to survive and the hardest part about it is that even in in those darkest situations, there's always was somebody who would try to take advantage of it, and and that what happened in in any any misery, any disaster, any war, any. There's
0: always somebody exploiting yeah even <coughs> the most vulnerable.
1: Yeah. So one one of the things that I saw was during the Bosnian war. I saw a documentary about Canadian soldiers who went there, and it was very different contrast of American army, because Americans were like, were like, yeah, we're going to go kill somebody, yeah, we're going to fight, Well, the Canadian guys are like, I can't wait to go to Sarajevo, oh, we're going to give medicine to the people that need, we're going to fix some light poles, we're going to fix some bridges, and it was like, such a positive message from the Canadian army, of like, this is what we plan to do, we want to restore that life, we're not here to fight, this is not our war, we just want to restore the, the life, and, and, The captain of of the Canadian Army, I I believe he ended up getting sent back after a month and replaced with other troops because of the fact that they said he was speaking his mind. He says, how can I help people when drugs and everything, medicine comes in to help people and 60% gets stolen the second that it lands on the airport? and they said that's the that's the reality just deal with it and that's the sad thing that my dad was saying that if you wanted to buy sugar you could but it was around 80 dollars 65 dollars depends on the night you know what i mean per kilo and now you would see who the people a lot of people got rich during those times while everybody else suffered yeah so it also follows this poor poor girl who was a dentist who had a proper life she leaves and then, as Sir boat capsizes, she ends up uh, being rescued by somebody who looks, you know, like kind of like he's willing to help, but that person had a different agenda. That person was...
0: Well, and she ends well, up as a waitress.
1: Well, yeah, eventually, I think, in I Canada. Think,
0: yeah, but I think that's part of the, the thing where you get this anti... where it's like, oh, they're coming here, and they're taking our jobs and all that yeah. nonsense. Um, it's like, this person was a dentist who's now clearing tables. Yeah. This was not a choice. No. This was, you know, this was a necessity for survival. Yeah. And everybody wants to survive.
1: True. And, and I mean, it, this kind of story is, um, the her part coming to Canada is a very personal part. Yes. Because this is exactly what happened to my parents. Yeah. All of those things that she went through is exactly what my yeah. parents went through. From cleaning the washrooms and cleaning the uh, pukes to, like, going to a place where my parents went for an interview they're like oh you're from Bosnia oh I'm going to show you something this is a fridge this is how you open oh it my God. this is how you close it it's like
0: well that's um and
1: and you know my mom people yeah.
0: don't understand like no, you had like you were saying you had the VCR you were watching all the yeah. whole, you had a typical childhood that any Canadian kid or any Canadian yeah. can relate to yeah um and then your world was just torn apart yeah. through none of your doing. Exactly. Um, and it's getting through to people that it's... That's the reality. It's not some, you know, that you don't know what a fridge is.
1: Yeah, and, like, I, and I mean, like, is, in today's world, it, it's very easy to um, to bring out the hate because it's everywhere around us. Yes, you yeah. You know, it's very open to... People it's are very much, open.
0: Yeah, it's much more oh. challenging yeah. to bring out the compassion. Yeah,
1: and... You know, like it's it's harder to say that. Oh, like empathy, you know, even yeah.
0: more than compa. Like yeah. compassion's good, but compassion, like empathy, is being able to put, being able to picture yourself watching those films and then, yeah, you know, wondering if your dad's still alive or dead and seeing him age mm-hmm. so much in five years. You, you know, yeah. how long did the war last?
1: Four years. Four years. Ninety-two That's to ninety-six. A long
0: four years. Yeah. Now. From being that, you, like, what I find interesting is that you had this dream when you were a five.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, When did your legs return to you, by the way?
1: Uh, It was was probably after six months when the doctor said. Yeah.
0: Okay. So you had this dream, and then you go through all of that, and you come here, and you still have that dream. Yeah, and you've got the courage to pursue it and come to Toronto at 17 years old. That's you know that was the hard part because a lot of people give up on their dreams for a lot less. Well, the hard part I can't think of much more you could go through, but you you managed to. Because
1: in Croatia, I started grade seven. Yeah, and then when I came here, they did a math test, English test. Yeah. I didn't speak English. Yeah. So math test, I aced it because th- those are the things that we learn yeah. like in uh, like yeah. grade two and three. That what they yes. learn in grade eight. So then, by the time I ended up filling out the math test, they're like, "Oh, you can go to grade 8 So I skipped the grade.
0: Oh, okay, that's how you So then all of
1: a sudden, like all of my friends became year year and a half older than me. And then growing up in Windsor is not it's not a bad place to grow up in except when you're 17 and everybody turns 19 you know that's when it's horrible and then yeah, when, yeah because especially like the huge influence of Detroit yeah. where um, in the States you gotta be 21 to drink here's 19 yeah. every Thursday, Friday, Saturday at that time people were just coming across and the, yeah. the city doubled in size and it was just like wild parties and people screaming and there would be me like just kind of like waiting outside of the patio while my friends are inside a bar
0: well, I remember in in college, the, the friends that were eighteen when we and not all the the parties. Sometimes they would have to wait outside, or or they sometimes you get the bar in the back area, yeah. In the States, so they would have to stay in the one area, and everybody else yeah. there with the puppy dog eyes, <laughs> looking, like
1: I want to have a drink. But I, I found the loophole. Oh, you did. Okay. Yeah. So one of my friends, because I had a job, uh, like temporary job in Burger King. Yeah. And then. I work for a newspaper warehouse so one of the guys that worked there he said you know if you join the Canadian army like reserves you can go to the clubs no problem like to the bars because as a 17 year old you're going to get a military ID with military ID you're allowed to go so and I was like I but I never drank I never drank (laughs) because it's like I was afraid I was afraid that you know alcohol is bad and one time when I was 15, uh, I was at the wedding and I ended up, they gave me Jägermeister. I didn't know what Ooh, it was.
0: At 15?
1: Yeah, I was drunk out of my mind and then... Oh I, ended
0: I was up, in my 20s before Jäger and still bad things <laughs> happen.
1: I ended up making out with a bride. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Who was really older Well, though. what you going to do? Yeah. No <laughs> like, oh, look, look at As that kid. Oh. But the, the thing is, like, I, I looked like I was like... 12 until I was nineteen. Yeah. Okay. So, I, like, even like when I came to to school yeah. you know, to study animation, I was the youngest one, yeah. probably in the building. But then and you I was, did you
0: work in animation?
1: Well, I did. I did some stuff. But then. Um, I would go out with the classmates, and then, you know, when you go to the bar, if you don't have ID, they're not going to serve you alcohol. Yeah. But they're like, what do you want, beer? And then they're going around the table, the waitress is like, what do you want, beer? You want a beer? You want a beer? And then they go to me, what do you want, a glass of milk? Ah. I'm like, no, I'll have ginger ale, thank you.
0: <laughs> I'm a man, i have no like ginger ice. ale. I haven't drank milk in so, a <laughs> Yeah.
1: So, okay, so a weird thing is that actually uh, I started a lot of jobs in the states were computer animation jobs yeah. were listed for special effects for computer animation films yeah. um, like Toy Story like those kind of things but a lot of jobs in Canada were either video games or you have to go to the Vancouver or Montreal um, like Toronto changed, was very but, uh, yeah, yeah Toronto was very like limited to, to stuff but it yeah. had a really good special effects houses yeah. like yeah. Mr. Yeah. X and Toy, uh, Toy Box that was one of them uh, digital domain they were like all these like up and coming like companies that were really 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 um, like getting their name out there and then a lot of places were like saying like you need two years experience you need two years experience so I was kind of forced to work a lot of free jobs do, yeah. it, do it for free do it for experience so you know i, I done some intern work for uh, on the cell with Jennifer Lopez oh, yeah. uh, Jason X that was the one when Jason is the killer yeah. and he's in space I was coloring the spaceships in uh, Photoshop and digital stuff and my then first
0: film job was in Northern Ireland Okay, and we did six days a week and I got paid 45 pounds a week oh you got paid yeah 45 pounds mm-hmm. so that's about 90 bucks yeah,
1: yeah. But, you, but you got paid but
0: uh, they, we were on set so f- long there that we got okay. f- uh, they pay, f- uh, fed you a full breakfast like, okay that's good uh, like not the yeah. ba- like the full full lunch of silk mm-hmm. you, you know 40, kidding, you can but yeah. I ate very well
1: <laughs> you ate what I you were worth. Yeah, yeah, everything. <laughs> no, I love it. So yeah, so it's it was like um, it was like starting. I started to getting some some good, you know, um, I guess experiences. Yeah. I did some stuff for Discovery Channel. Then I I did the digital background animator for for one cartoon, and then all of a sudden, like I found out the person got in very bad legal troubles. That I'm like, okay, yeah. no, I'm not gonna put that on my resume. And yeah. then, yeah, so then eventually as, as, as this experience was progressing, um, September 11 happened, which basically shut my chance to get a job or actually killed my chance to get a job because I just got a job with ICE, uh, Blue Sky Studios who do Ice Age. And then I was like, oh, my God, Icy's just coming out, and this is, like, great, and it's going to be amazing. And they're, like, somewhere in, I think, Maine in the U.S. But then <clears throat> the second September 11 hit, they changed the rules that now we don't just give out green cards and, and stuff. It was, like, a little bit harder to get um, to get recognized for those things. So that studio said you need six to nine years' experience before it was two years' experience, right? In order to issue... Because they wanted to make sure that they, you know, they provide yeah. the... American people get the jobs, which makes sense. You know, like if I can hire somebody American who can do that job, why would I hire somebody else? Um, And it makes sense from the economics perspective. But then it was hurting me, so I ended up getting a job in two places: at George Brown College and uh, Saint Lawrence Center for the Arts. Which is where we met. (coughs) Which is where we met. Yeah. And then George Brown College allowed me to study film, and I, I got my filmmaker certificate from there. I got a screenplay writer certificate from there. So I continued adding on to the computer animation. Well, Saint Lawrence Center
0: <coughs> allowed you to um, study study plans. Yeah, that's true. Paid for.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Now, how did you end up with the short film Trebecca?
1: So um, I had an idea um, of um, of well, the idea of the film is basically how I believe I believe not everybody agrees with me, but I believe that we don't change as people. The surroundings change around us. Everything else changes around us, but we end up staying the same. And I really wanted to, you know, kind of like say that, and how will I be able to say that? So I went, I was looking at one of the, one of the colleagues, um, Stephen, and he looks just, it, to me he reminds me of a person from a silent films who has so much char- charisma with his body language that he can tell a story without words. So I, just looking at him, I was picturing in my head that I can do this black and white film where um, he would basically come home from work being all exhausted, and then there would be a knock on the door, and when he opens the door, nobody's there except the picture frame. And then when he brings the frame inside, the frame starts glowing in color. So everything is black and white, so then he starts, he looks around, he looks at his hand, and it's in color, and then he looks through the photographs, and then I got a permission from uh, Toronto Archives to use five photographs that were shot in 1905. So I went to the same location where that was picture was taken from the same angle. And then I took a, a video of how it looks like today.
0: And can uh, people watch it online?
1: Yeah, 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 definitely. Like but right we, now it's we'll listed. We'll put up a link on the, sure. the website and mm-hmm. then people
0: can click through. Yeah. Now the documentary. Oh, but how did it get to Tribeca?
1: Well, I just ended up like. Just submitting it? Submitting it and then not even expecting anything. But it was part of like some kind of like a short group program. Yeah. So, when when I, I, I find out that it's actually going to be playing there, uh, I, I was so excited, I was so excited, but then when I got there, I was thinking like, oh my god, my film is like not even two minutes, and I'm out there like with a microphone, I, I should not be talking more than two minutes, yeah. because the <laughs> film is so short. <laughs> <laughs> so, I said, okay, how about this, let's watch the film, and then I'll talk afterwards, yeah. because it's like, I feel like I will give too much if I get a little excited, and then I'm yeah. you know, like ten minutes in, and because you know, I can just stop. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And um, then the documentary. Okay, so
1: the documentary is more <clears throat> is more like um, based or catered to the people from the Balkan, uh, because this is a documentary of a specific rock group called Indexy, which was established in Sarajevo, and in 1962, when Rolling Stones came out and Beatles and you know all of a sudden this movement comes out of the rock music. Yugoslavia was still communist country. So the government could not understand why young people are being influenced by this evil music. Because you know, they have to be very much I'm not sure like when we say communism we think in North Korea. Yeah. Rock music. Any any rock music. So so what happened then is that in, uh, in the 60s, when this music became popular, they were saying, no, 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 no. This is going to be against the law from now on. And we're going to have to listen to the stuff from the East, like from Russia, and this kind of folk music, not rock music, because that's bad. Or they were announced on the radio, Jimi Hendrix died today. He died because he listened to rock music, and he did drugs. So that was like the message. Rock music equals drugs. And I understand that my dad is basically putting the same thing that he went through with that on me when I started listening to like hip-hop music he's like oh, no no you're gonna be doing drugs and I'm like no dad it's like yeah yeah that's how it is that's yeah. how it all starts and I'm like thinking like you're doing the same thing with you were young. yeah <laughs> but so the the hard part of that is that this group that's that that was started they have never changed any of the band members so for 35 years same singer same drummer same bass player they stayed as one group for 35 years and then this slowly started passing away. Like one after another, there's two surviving members of the group. But in those times, my dad would say how every Sunday, police would basically arrest a whole lot of people with longer hair, like guys with longer hair, and they would publicly shave them on a square. Because if you have a shaved head, it means you're a criminal. That means you cannot get a job. So they had a really bad. Ideas of rock and roll music. Jeans were against the law. You're not allowed to wear jeans or any button shirt that has an open button to show your chest hair. Nothing like that. So, so this film briefly touches on that because you know it's a documentary. But what it is is a story of. It's a concert movie, actually. It's a story of thirty-three people who are all from the. The whole Yugoslavia from, you know, Macedonia, Serbia, Albania, Bosnia, Croatia, Slovenia, even had a Turkish person there and a Russian lady there who were the first time on a stage together after war, after 22 years. So this is like, a big message was how a music can unite us and delete the boundaries of religion, discrimination, ethnicities, anything that we went through. It was that music that brought us all together. And this was the first time, I mean, there's been concerts here where the audience would be very mixed from different parts of Yugoslavia you know which were involved in the war but this is because those artists on the stage were so talented and they had their own followings a lot of people came to see them and then at one point as I was filming because I was on a stage with a um, with a handheld with a whatever and I would turn around and everybody would be hugging each other and just singing together and it was just like the most heartwarming moment that you can see and and that's why it was good for me to show this film in Bosnia because how
0: was it going back?
1: Um. well it, first time when I went back it was a little bit difficult uh, I went first time I went in 1997
0: how old were you then?
1: 15 yeah first time I went back was like like right after the war ended and you can see the wounds were fresh and and you know everything was very very much um, now mind you coming there with $300 for the whole summer was like going to anywhere and spending like $30,000. It was just like everything was so cheap and, and you know, like, but now when you go back, it's more expensive than it is here. Considering that people make $300 a month right now um, and the liter of oil is $4 Canadian, um, bread is around $1 or $2 So and you always wonder how do people survive? Like, yeah. you don't, so it's never completely recovered from No, before. it never completely recovered. So we kinda like went back fifty years. And, and
0: in the blink of an eye, in four yeah. years a country went from And and, and
1: Yugoslavia China. was one of the like the third country yeah. in in that whole region. But it
0: feels like what you're describing, it feels like it's basically it was fairly western country, you're watching movies and everything and then in four years yeah. Yeah. everything's gone.
1: Yeah and you know like even though we were communists at the time there was free education free healthcare yeah. you know like we still the Yugoslavian passport you can go anywhere in the world yeah. um, it was like the most uh, black marketed passport, passport oh, wow. in the world because yeah. it was just like a ticket like didn't have problems with anybody yeah. right and slowly like, like you know like we would say like, it's more socialist than communist yes yeah. that makes sense but you know you don't talk about government you don't talk about God you're okay right but yeah. now, with with war like ending there, I think the religion has played a major part in it, because um, Sarajevo is they call it like a Bethlehem or Jerusalem of Europe. We have uh, big Muslim population, Catholic population, Orthodox like the Russians and Greeks, and, yeah. and you know, like Eastern Bloc of the, and then Jewish and. These four major establishments like synagogue, mosque, and two churches from these two are all between 150 meters of each other in the downtown of Sarajevo. Oh, wow. Yeah, so it's like the city itself is kind of like you're born in or grew up in, surrounded by and kind of accepting everybody. You're kind of used to that. And then one day you're saying, well, I'm not allowed to talk to you because your name is this or your religion is this. It's kind of hard. And then you experience that when you come back for the first time, when people are don't ask you what religion you are. Because sometimes you can tell by the name, but if yeah. they can't, they'll be like, what city are you from? Because they will pinpoint your location. Yeah. And in,
0: uh, I lived in Northern Ireland which for is, a while, yeah. and it was, they would, what school, I mean, it was yeah. like my mother was from there. Yeah. So it was what school, If because if they asked me what religion I was, I'd mm-hmm. be like, because you actually had to. When I got a job there, I had to fill out if I was a member of the Catholic community, or a member of the Protestant community, or a member of neither. And I checked neither. And one go, well, but you're Catholic, and I'm like, I'm neither. Well, mm-hmm. oh, your mum's from here, yeah. What part? Belfast. Where'd you go to school? like I knew yeah, which yeah. ones were integrated so I would always yeah. and you can tell he's getting frustrated but I'm like this is not my fight this yeah. means religion means nothing back um, at home. yeah, and, yeah. And more so back then um, than it is now unfortunately
1: but back yeah, but like, like, now
0: Catholic and Protestant still doesn't really matter yeah. but things are getting tense with the other where it used to yeah. be like it just didn't matter if you were so this film like um, the spaghetti
1: yeah this yeah. film kind of like Highlights bit of a concert because I wanted to show all the artists like in different stages on the concert because it was like three and a half hour concert. Yeah. Nobody really want to watch, like just the concert. Yeah. But it was in, intercut in between with, um, with like maybe my parents talking or some other people. Yeah, is there talking. a
0: place we can see it.
1: Yeah, it would be on the same place with a Frame. Okay. I, I will so give I'll, the link. I'll yeah. Put,
0: I'll put up a link. Yeah. On the and it has to English to subtitles as well. And yeah. And we can. Everybody can. Sure. And this yeah. one
1: uh, and yeah. like he was. It was very heartwarming to see everybody together. But then I started sending it to the bigger film festivals, Toronto International Film yeah. Festival, Moscow. But then I realized this is not the place for it. You know what I mean? Because it's like these films are... These film festivals are more about who they're going to bring to the city. And it's more of a... No. Yeah, well, can, well not yeah. just not just that. Like It's not like they don't want to help out the people no. who are... No. no, they definitely do that a lot. Yeah. But I mean, just like... I think for that film, I was aiming for the wrong places, you know because yeah. like even, even Toronto International Film Festival, this film would go in, in a category that maybe only 12 or 15 films would be playing, like documentary area, and then they would get like 3,000 submissions, so I would understand that why they yeah. want to be picked over there you know yeah. what I mean, like it wasn't like I wasn't thinking smart when I started applying, but then after the Bosnia But that's a good point yeah.
0: for, for struggling artists and such is and regardless, make pick the right yeah, avenue and, and, for and your. sometimes like you've created.
1: Sometimes I'm I'm looking at like what what clicked in my mind is like I was looking at this like a short film that was really well done. But then all of a sudden like he had all these like stamps from different film festivals. But like I'm like I never heard of this film festival. I never heard of. But he got accepted, and that was the point. And then all of a sudden, like when you have it like four or five different film festivals from mm-hmm. around the world, then people are like, oh, let me look at this then. You know what I mean? It has a little more value. But if, if you are like, a, like me, like you're, I was aiming too high, too fast. Not knowing that... It took me a little while to realize that maybe I need to slow down because this is, I'm not ready for that yet. So then we went to the Bosnia, but the Bosnia Film Festival was just the story itself. Yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know if you have time. but Yeah. yeah but like, um, after that, I ended up sending to Rotterdam in Netherlands, not Amsterdam. And yeah. it got accepted. I sent it to Dortmund in Germany, not Berlin in Germany, and it got accepted. And that was and, smart, yeah. And then, I, and then it got screened in, in Melbourne. Yeah. But in Melbourne, it was kind of like one of those situations where I didn't expect it to be screened there. It was sent kind of like, okay, well, yeah. sure. And then my parents, by mistake, not by mistake, but they, they went to see my dad's aunt who lives in Australia. She's in Canberra. And then when we find out that the the film we play there, I contacted them and they say like, okay, well your parents can come present the film, like perfect because they're in a the film anyway. Oh great! Right? That,
0: they must uh, love and, that.
1: Yeah, and they they made like a like a huge thing out of it. Like they said like, people brought food. There was like like they brought like tables and tables of food. And some poets came out and they were singing. Then some oh, people came out wonderful. with a guitar and I was like, oh, that's like way better than I saw in. like... <laughs> in some other places. So Still, they
0: must yeah. have been just chopped.
1: And then my mom comes back with a poster of the film where everybody in the audience signed it for me.
0: Oh, wow. And she
1: actually bought a little like a notebook, and then people wrote their thoughts about it. And I'm like, wow, this is like a bigger gift than anything, anything yeah. else. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but like also like in... in uh, in the New York City when the film was premiering yeah. uh, it was a Saturday and this is the first time I've seen a friend of mine who was also from war in Bosnia and um, we always kept in touch we always like and he was a photographer at, at one point and then all of a sudden he became a chocolatier and he does chocolates for high-end restaurants and it's like one of those like little bars would be like $40, $30, yeah. I don't know but it's like gold flakes, and I don't even—I don't even know what it is. But like, just looking at it, it looks like like Milky Way in your head. Yeah, kind of thing. That's amazing. So then, when we connected, like, okay, you wanna—you know—he's like, you know what? I'm in a bakery right now, but we can meet up early in a like at this place, and then, you know, okay, I can show you what we make. And this is the first time that I felt like a nobody, and within hours later, I felt like somebody, and that was New York City, you know. Yeah. And then it was literally like. No, my friend comes in with a t-shirt. It's like August yeah. time or whatever it was. And he has like tattoos like yeah. on his arms and stuff like that. And then he has a beard. And then he's like, oh, man, let's go to this high-end restaurant. And then when we walk in, we saw like a whole lot of people huddled by the side of the bar and they're drinking coffees. But nobody's really sitting down. Maybe one or two people are sitting down. Yeah. And he goes, here, the sit-down fee is like $20, $30 just to sit down. And then that's what they charge you. And then whatever else you order, it's on top. So we come to this giant fridge of these goodies that he made. He's like, so this one here is like this, and then this one is like this. And the suit comes along. He's like, uh, gentlemen, uh, there'll be no sitting room for you guys. We're like, yeah, okay, that's fine. And then we just, he's like, continues like, okay, and then this, 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 and this is how this looks like. And then he's like, so is there a problem? And I'm like, oh, no, we're, we're cool. And then my friend said, um, your name is Tony, right? He's like, yeah. He's like, yeah, you came to my bakery, and this was just like a couple of weeks ago, you came to my bakery. I'm just showing my friend who's out of town, what we make? Yeah, there'll be no discounts in the store. I'm like, that's okay, that's fine. We're not here for the discount, that's cool. Then another suit comes on, he's like, what seems to be the problem? like no problem we're just discussing and literally it felt like just because you're not dressed properly you were being told to leave and then followed by two of us going back to my hotel room me getting a suit and then coming to to the Tribeca you know close Canal Street and then coming down there and next thing you know like you're on a red carpet there's pictures and then people like signing autographs and people open the program with your thing and it's just like it felt like such a like weird yeah. Yeah, it was yeah. just like a like a but it was it was a it was a great feeling but at the same time it was like well what just happened like yeah because after the film festival was over the rush was over and then it'll sound like you go back to Toronto and then
0: Well it's funny happened? the um, I had a similar experience very quickly down at the Toronto Metro Center uh-huh. where They had the, when Just Jay, I think, came out, they had the book expo. Okay. And I was upstairs signing autographs of the book. And I think it was the next day I had to go back because I was catering. And so I go from people lining up to get my autograph Then the next day in the same building downstairs. I'm in a room with 30 or 40 people because we're all caterers getting yelled at. And she's yelling at everybody, you know, if anybody even takes a role, you're fired. And I'm like, ah. Yeah, this but, is
1: so weird. but same, same thing for me because I came <laughs> like back to George Brown. Boom. Yeah, I came back to George yeah. Brown, and I was just nice. like, uh, "Yeah,
0: okay." Yeah, it's a humbling experience. It's so very humbling. Very quickly, yeah. I would have preferred to have maybe another day or two yeah. of <laughs> riding the way. Well, we better wrap it up. We've been yeah. actually going for about fifty minutes. Okay, That's uh, good. I really appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually ask, you know, anything to. To suggest to young artists and such, and part of it is to encourage them to keep yeah. to keep going through the tough, but like the tough things that you went through, and yet you still managed to pursue your dreams. I don't think you can really, maybe you do, but I don't know what advice you can give. But how do you like all that you went through, and you still pursued, and you still. Followed your passion and got all it, this. It, it's just, it's an amazing. Yeah,
1: I think the the biggest thing is that people don't see, um, they don't see a progress right away, and then they get discouraged. But think of it like a scale, like the two scales, and then you put a one piece of grain in one side. You don't see any movement on the scale, but then you add another piece of grain, and then you add another piece of grain, and then as slowly you are adding to it, you will see as one side will get heavier and heavier and that's I think that's what it comes down to like nobody is nobody is born as like the greatest filmmaker like you know like even Spielberg started making short films and and short films are a great way to basically get learn the techniques and and, you know the biggest problems with 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 like today's world is that we are so quick to to judge ourselves and also to give up on many things so Yeah. yeah and I think the best the best advice is just, you know, like, keep doing what you're doing. If you believe in yourself, others will believe in you, too. Because if you come into the room confident, especially if you're making a film, you know, people will believe you, will trust you that, they, that you have something to go. But if you are don't believe in yourself, then who will? Who will believe in who you? Who will, yeah.
0: Well, thank you so much. Those were such great stories. I wish we could keep going, but I think... We'll wrap it up.
1: Sounds good. Uh, Thank
0: you very much for coming out to the shanty.
1: Thanks. Thank you. Appreciate it. I appreciate you.
0: Uh, I appreciate you too. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed the show and were inspired to find your passion and pursue it, or keep going if you already have. It can be a lonely road, but we'll travel it together.